Blog Talk Radio. Black free thinkers, where we walk by sight with a bright flashlight to illuminate night. Free thought, we don't walk by space in the lost mind state, cause it's not quite safe. We don't recruit, we're not peers from a church, so don't be spooked, we're not here to convert. The only truth that's not pulled from a text, show me proof that's not good after death. This is the challenge to think for yourself, break it out of the bottle and speak what you felt. 310-982-4273 to get through A venue for community and this is the zone If you'd like to speak with Kim then pick up the phone 310-982-4273 to get through The next tree branch is Rainer and it's best you listen to Reason, science, and skepticism It's loaded with straight facts, inspiring and dope She can make Bill Nye retire his lab coat Humans are hilarious and every other Friday I'd like to hear commentary on culture people So I hit up Super Mario and bring in Emmeline To discuss why we're capable of ultra evil It's normal for my brain to have a two-way street But if there's collisions, well then you got to just mention it And don't be afraid of where the truth may lead Ignoring your position of cognitive dissonance When Father Teresa preaches, it's hard to stop So Kim paired me up with Alfred in the barbershop I have a sin family and all these places now As the free thought tree pollinates around This is the challenge to think for yourself Break it out of the bottle and speak what you felt 310-982-4273 to get through A venue for community and this is the zone If you'd like to speak with Kim then pick up the phone 310-982-4273 to get through Where we walk by sight with a bright flashlight to illuminate night we don't walk by faith in a lost mind state because it's not quite safe. Hello and welcome to On Blast with Vita Star. I'm your host, Vita Star, and today we have a, just a basic topic of health, nutrition, and poverty. What is the link? What is the thread? What does that mean even for some people who don't even see that there is a connection? We're going to talk a little bit about that. we got some articles that have popped up recently that discuss health, nutrition, and the access that people have or don't have or the limiting of those access, limiting of that access, limiting of those resources. And we're going to get into that in a second. We're also going to be joined by Noah Jones from The Breakbeat and also Bruce Smith from Reality is Real. And I'll join us in a second. Um, Before we get to them, I want to play a quick song by A Tribe Called Quest called Ham and Eggs. Chicka. Uh, not at all. Uh, come on, now 
Chicken, I'm a finger licking winner. When breakfast time comes, I don't recognize. Pig in the pan or a pair of rosy shots. Chicken, two tomatoes, home fried potatoes, or anything with flair. Cook it, I'm in there. Pay attention to the tribe as we impose. This is how it goes. I don't eat no show on the network of Black Free Thinkers. She's also a blogger and a wonderful person to talk to. We just want a good conversation. Noah Jones, welcome. Hello. No. <laughs> Very delayed reaction, but it's cool. I'll let you fly. <laughs> Sorry, I had to um I had to I had to unmute my phone. I thought I muted it while the music was playing. Oh, that's thank you. you very much. Also joining us, we have Bruce Smith. He is the creator, founder, and host of Reality is Real. He has a sports show, a hip-hop show, a real talk show. There are also groups on Facebook. Check out realityisreal.com. Um, welcome to the show, Bruce Smith. Yeah, it's good. Chilling, chilling. And we will be joined by Noah's co-host from the Breakbeat a little bit later, MC Brooks. And uh, let's get this go. I'm going to go ahead and get started because we don't have a very long show tonight, so I do want to go ahead and get started. Let's start off with what's going on in Columbia, South Carolina. So last August, the city of Columbia, South Carolina, approved a new plan to give its homeless population an impossible choice, leave downtown or be arrested. The city is now taking even more steps to criminalize homelessness. On Saturday, it will begin to strictly enforce an old and seldom used ordinance requiring groups of 25 or more to obtain a permit and pay a hefty fee before congregating in a public park. One impacted charity that, that was interviewed by the Free Times, Food Not Bombs, has been serving food to the homeless in Finlay Park every, every Sunday for 12 years. Organizer Judith Turnipsey noticed the group has an impeccable track record and always tidies up after the meal. But with the new crackdown, Food Not Bombs will have to pay at least $120 per week for the right to feed the homeless, an extremely tall order for a group that's not even an official 501c3 organization, but just serves out of the goodness of its heart. What I just want to know... What do you guys think about that? We'll start off with Noah. Um, I mean, let's keep in mind the reason why a lot of these cities and things that they claim is because of health reasons. A lot of times, I know in, here in L.A., in, well, in the city of Santa Monica, mm-hmm. that was one of the reasons that they claim is like, well, we don't want to be liable or people, you know, there are health liabilities involved with feeding the homeless. That's one thing that I've heard cities say, not just Santa Monica, but other cities who ban mm-hmm. feeding the homeless part. But, um, yeah, what do you think? 
That's ridiculous. That's the most ridiculous shit I've ever heard in my life. The fact of the matter is is that <laughs> it's true. It's ridiculous because the fact of the matter is is that we all know what it really is. They don't want to see. Nobody wants to see homeless people. Like, let's just be real. They don't want people to see homeless people. For one, it signals that there are actual homeless people, like people without homes in the city, you know, that stuff isn't all good, that things aren't all right. And it makes people nervous to see people who are homeless. It makes people uncomfortable or irritated or, you know, just brings up feelings that they don't want to deal with. And instead of improving conditions or, you know, having shelters or anything like that or trying to help homeless people, it's, it's easier to just be like, well, um, get out of my city. Well, first of all, so, they don't want to, they're not saying they want to push them all the way out of the city. They just want them away from downtown and all the downtown parks. The city council approved um, the exile plan in August, but the city has already been trying to herd, this is from the article from Think Progress, the city is already trying to herd its homeless people to a shelter on the outskirts of town and keep them away from downtown. So they're trying to get them to, ch- to shelters. But let's be honest. Most times these shelters get packed really quickly, and they have to eventually let people out, like put people out of these spaces because there aren't enough spaces. So, yeah, and it goes along with what you were saying, though. It's, it's basically a way to keep them out of these spaces. Nobody likes the way it looks. It looks like blight to people. Bruce, what, do you, what is your take on this? I mean, I just think it's bullshit. I think the people of the city ought to have something to say about it because – realistically do we really need to be uh locking up more people i mean for something else i mean because i mean what are you going to do like are you going to find the homeless like are you going to lock the homeless up you're going to lock this homeless up where are you going to hold all these homeless people it's just like i mean like what what are they trying to get from it i mean you know i know they're trying to avoid looking at homeless people like you know that's that's a major first world problem you know what i'm saying that you don't want to look at the homeless people but it's like, look at what's going to happen from that. Because, I mean, at, at, like, what are you going to do? You're going to lock the homeless people up? So now you have to take care of these homeless people in jail. Like, you know, it just, I don't see where there's a win from that situation at all. You know, I mean, if they really did want the homeless people downtown, I, I mean, um, you know, they did, they did stuff like that in my city. In Long Beach, they wanted to move the homeless people away from downtown because they were trying to draw in conventions and things of that nature. But it's like, you know, what are you going to do? You're just going to push the people out of the city into another city? You know, so then what does that city do? Push the people out of their city into another city? It, it's just really bullshit. Now, I don't see where there's any win from that. I mean, if, if they want the homeless people off the street, you know, then, you know, maybe they should build something to put the homeless people in, put them somewhere where they're not in the street, put them somewhere where, you know, they can get cleaned up, put them somewhere where they can, you know, get clothes and go get a job. I mean, I don't see where the win is in that whole move. Right. I mean, it kind of goes back to what Teeny was saying. I mean, it's really about prevention, right? How do we reduce the number of homeless people that we actually have? And that's the thing is also it's a very diverse population of people who are homeless, right? In California, for example, we have a huge population of homeless people who are mentally ill because mental, um, institutions are not required to keep them in their space. Even though it's safer for them to be in certain institutions and they can get, make sure they get a healthy meal, make sure that they're taking their medication. Because some people will be totally fine as long as they take their medication. But since they're not required to keep them um, against their will, so let's say someone who's sick says, hey, I just want to go out and do whatever, they let them out. But the thing is they don't have access to those medications anymore. So that was something that I believe was a, a law that was put in place by Ronald Reagan. And really, even though these are people who definitely need, need these services and they're fine once they take their medication, once they have these things, they're still pushed out into the street because where else are they going to go? Another thing we have to look at is the foster foster care. A lot of foster youth end up homeless. They turn 18 and they end up on the street. And then they end up in prison. So <laughs> that's another group that we have. I just I just think the thing is, I think people are always worried about spending money. They say, well, you know, we can't have all these shelters because then you're going to have to tax me to get the shelters, and we can't do this. Like, the reality is you're going to pay one way or the other. Like, you know, like, there's no avoiding. You're going to pay one way or the other. If, well, if you it, don't, costs, it costs us tax dollars for them to go to, for them to, go to jail and for them to go to Exactly. Court. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> so you're going to pay one way or the other. So it's like if you're going to pay, what do you think is the best way to pay? I mean, I think the obvious best way to pay would be to try to help these people, you know what I'm saying? Because if you can help these people, I mean, 
you know, some of them have mental conditions and, you know, maybe you can't just give them a shower and throw some clothes on them and they'll go get a job. But it's like, you know, you help these people, the ones that can turn it around, they can, you know, help society. They can help your city. They can improve your city. You know what I'm saying? So it's like you're going to have to pay one way or the other. So you just have to choose which way it is that you want to pay. There's no avoiding it. That's, and that's very true. That's, that's, that's the other thing. Like, we, in our minds for some reason, we feel like if we push people out or if we, that we're somehow getting rid of the problem, you're not getting rid of the problem. You can complain about tax dollars going to shelters, but if we're, not, we're, we're also against the services that keep people from being homeless. You know, and that's and that goes back to what I was saying. Like, you have people who are homeless because, like I said, foster care, mental health issues, as well as veterans, which another thing that I totally don't understand is why we have so many veterans that are homeless. I'm not even, like, pro the military industrial complex. At least I know that if people go to war or go to the military, they should be able to come home and have a place to live and have a place for food to eat. Like, that doesn't even make sense to me. That's another part of our homeless population that doesn't make sense. Then you have the people who have families who fell on hard times, lost their jobs, complete industries have closed down. And so you have these families that are on the street. And I don't understand how we can say, just just push them aside and push them out, as opposed to saying, let's figure out ways to make sure they get the services and the nutrition that they need. Um, just short-sighted okay. people, like short-sighted <laughs> visions and short-sighted ideas from people who deal with political terms and only have to focus on the next two years, the next four years. That's that's basically what it seems like. Yeah, it's not long-term thinking. That's what it seems like. Um, it looks like I have a few calls on the line, but if you want to join the discussion, if you want to make a comment, um, you need to press 1. So if you just want to listen, that's fine. You can just stay on the line. But if you press 1, then I know that you're interested in joining the conversation. So just, uh, yeah, otherwise just hang tight. Um, but, yeah, uh, I, I, don't know, I don't know. I feel like when we, when we talk about homelessness and we have these discussions about poverty, I think sometimes we think, well, not us, because I think the, uh, those of us on the line are pretty progressive, but there are people who truly believe that people choose to be poor and they choose to be homeless and that this is somehow their fault. These are the, this is the fault of bad decisions and this is their punishment. Wow. And, what is you know, know, we, have, we have a caste system now? But there are people who believe that. The people, if you just work, this is America. This is America. It's a capitalist society. There's money everywhere. If you, if you, weren't, if you, weren't, if you weren't so lazy, you wouldn't be so poor. I mean, that's just pull yourself up by your bootstraps and you'll do great. Right. So then that's Half the of the people who say that didn't pull themselves up by their bootstraps. <laughs> right. Exactly. That's, that's 100% right. Um, getting on to the next topic, I think um, I really, not next topic, but really just the next issue. Um, this actually comes from NPR. This is something that I've been talking about for a long time because we do because this, they started this campaign called Health, uh, Healthy Food Conversion, and basically what they do is they change liquor stores or marts or certain places, and they make sure they have access to healthy food in low-income areas. And um, in inner cities, I'm seeing this from NPR, um, in inner cities and poor rural areas across the country, public health advocates have been working hard to turn around food deserts, neighborhoods where fresh produce is scarce and greasy fast food abounds. In many cases, they're converting dingy, cramped corner markets into lighter, brighter venues that offer fresh fruits and vegetables. In some cases, they're building brand-new stores. The presumption is if you build a store, people are going to come, says Stephen Matthews, professor in the Departments of Sociology, Anthropology, and Demography at Penn State University. To check that notion, he and colleagues from the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine recently surveyed residents of one low-income community in Philadelphia before and after opening before and after the opening of a glistening new supermarket brimming with fresh produce. What they're finding, Matthew says, is a bit surprising. We don't find any difference at all. We see no effect of the store on fruit and vegetable consumption. Now, to be fair, the time was short. The store was only open for six months before residents were surveyed. Matthew says most residents knew that the store was there and that it offered healthy food, but only 26% that it was their regular go-to market. And as might be expected, those who lived close to the store shopped there most regularly. So what do you guys think about that? So we have these spaces where there was no healthy food. There was, or they had very low food access, healthy food access, especially if you didn't have a car or certain things like that. This is an example in Philadelphia. They also did the same thing in East L.A. or Boyle Heights there in L.A., and they did it in certain parts of South L.A. 
Um, what they're finding is that after these conversions, well, not only do just help the healthy store conversions, they're also growing community gardens. But they're finding the people in the residence are not utilizing them. They're not going to these stores. They're not purchasing. Not as much as the pe- I think people expected or wanted them to. Um, I kind of want to get, you know, what you guys take on what that is. Nora, what do you think about that? I think that, okay, so I think that part of it is probably that, okay, you live in a neighborhood, like, I live in, I happen to live in a neighborhood where there's, like, Alina's, I don't know if you know Alina's is, but there's not, like, a real full-service grocery store in this area, predominantly black area, the north side of Milwaukee. Anyway, like, I use this as an example because my grandma, she's lived here for, like, mm, 35-plus years, and, you know, she used to cook all the time, and, like, now it's just like to this point where she really doesn't cook anymore. It's like all these processed foods and everything. I think sometimes you get used to that. You get used to not having access to those things, and you don't always want to have to drive out to the suburbs. But then once you put, once they put a grocery store here, it's like you really don't. You're so used to doing what you're doing that it's hard to change, and it feels uncomfortable to go into stores like that. Right. So, so you're saying basically it's, it's hard to change your habits. You, right. You've been used to doing one thing, and then they do something, you know, they put something there. It's not like you're magically, your your lifestyle. Because keep in mind, the grocery store you go to is, is connected to your lifestyle, right? You go, like, it, for example, I know what store I'm going to go to when I get off from work. I get off from work, I'm going to go to this particular store, and then go to my house. I'm going to get off of work. I'm gonna, I already have a meal planned in my head that I want to cook that night. I go to this, go, go to whatever store I know is going to have what I want to make this particular meal, and I because I've been doing this for however long. Now if they put something new there. There's a new space to buy healthy food or whatever. That's not a part of my route. That's not a part of my daily lifestyle. So now you're telling me, oh, I should completely change that, and I should, but it's hard to change that when I'm so used to doing the things that I've been doing, and that makes sense. I'm, um, I mean, and I have a question. Did they put? Um, did they put the grocery store in there? Did they try to, like, involve the residents? Did they have activities or anything? Or was it just like, you know, some white folks came in, put a store there, and were like, <laughs> shop here? I'm just... That's a good question. That wasn't really clarified in this particular article. I know for the community gardens in South L.A. that they did have big events. I do know that. Um, as far as whether or not the local store that they converted did that, I don't think so. I mean, there might have been a few signs or something. But I don't believe that there was anything major. Um, Brooks is going to be joined. MC Brooks from the Breakbeat, uh, Noah's co-host. Brooks, MC Brooks is also a member of Grand Unified. He's a rap artist, very talented rap artist, um, and musician, and a good friend. Welcome to the show, MC Brooks. Hi, everybody. Boo. I don't know. No, well, that's not <laughs> Clearly nobody watches Simpsons on here. That's Dr. Nick. Sorry. See, I knew somebody had my back. How's everybody? How y'all doing? You're good? I like how Noah just said it. You're also host. I want to go ahead and get comments on this, and then I'm going to get to you, Brooke. But, Bruce, what did you think about that particular article or that particular story? I mean, I mean, really, I just think it's really funny that these academics are like, you know, they look at the community and they're like, well, maybe they don't have healthy options. We need There needs to be some healthy options. And then somebody makes the store and then they say, well, I just don't get it. Like, now they have the options and they still don't do it. Like, the thing is, it's so much more to it. Like, it's not just having the options. First of all, I mean, how much of these options cost? Because it's like I, I'm working with what I'm working with. I have the amount of money that I have, and I've been buying food for years. You know what I'm saying? So it's like I know, like, all right, you know what I'm saying? If I get the ground beef, I get the pasta, I get these little sauce mixes, I can throw some spaghetti together. That's going to last me like this many days for me and my family. You know what I'm saying? If I if I get this, I get these sauces, I can make meatloaf. You know what I'm saying? I get the, the corn in the can. Like, the thing is, like, people have been – cooking this food that they've been cooking forever, and they know how much it costs. So it's like you throw in, you know, some he- some other options. First of all, there's a belief that, you know what I'm saying, healthy food costs more, and in a lot of cases it does. 
So if you throw in a, a healthy store, a, a, a healthy store in quotation marks, because there's these beliefs certain stores are healthy. You know, if you throw in the fresh and easy, you throw in, you know, something like that, the first thought is that that's probably more expensive. I'm not messing with that. You know, then, then uh-huh. on top of that, you know what I'm saying, it's like recipes. Like, like we said, like people have been cooking the foods they've been cooking for forever. So now you've given me this other food to cook. Okay, well, you know, like, I, like I've been cooking this forever, and I know what this does, and I know how this tastes, and I use these seasonings, and I use that. It's like that stuff that you got in that store, I, like, I, I don't really use that stuff. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, okay, it's there now. Like, I'm not just going to go spend my money on something that I haven't been dealing with, you know, for however old these people are. You know what I'm saying? It's like you can't just throw this stuff there and expect, like, okay, now they have the option. Now things are going to change. It's just really comical to me that these guys are really surprised. Like, it's said that they're surprised that nothing changed. Well, like, what? Well, uh, as far as Philadelphia, I don't know who organized theirs. Um, I don't know if the academics came in and did it. Um, I know that they came and did the study for it. Um, for L.A., it was actually community organizers. But I don't know any community organizers that are actually from South L.A. or from East L.A. But um, I'm not particularly sure if they, if a part of their plan was just next step. Okay, so we got the food access, which is definitely important. But now what, how do we get people to go there? And I don't know if those questions were necessarily asked. Now, I brought this up like two years ago when they started this in L.A., and I remember bringing it up with the community gardens. I said, well, who's going to really go to these gardens to pick their vegetables before, you know, to cook for dinner? Like, I, yeah, it's a cute activity to do with my kids on the weekend maybe, but it's not something I'm going to be like, oh, let me go get my fresh fruits and vegetables from the local garden so I can make dinner tonight. That's not going to happen, <laughs> you know. So yeah, that, that's right. I, um, I know MC Brooks wanted to jump in. Uh, Brooks, what, what did you want to say? Uh, I was going to say everything Bruce just said. <laughs> like my whole comment. Wow, <laughs> uh, Okay. It's like it's like he took my entire thought and verbalized it um, <laughs> just now. Um, but that my my point was 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 like I said mostly the the same thing. It, it really is going to come down to cost. Like for example, I live in D.C. I live in Northeast D.C. I'm two blocks away from two of the uh, some of the uh, worst neighborhoods uh, on this side of the city. For year, I've been here for over 20 years. Also. Uh, for years, the only option that any residents around here have had as far as being able to go to a grocery store was the local Safeway. You know, the only really type of, the only really healthy restaurant was a Whole Foods. The thing is, the Whole Foods was located in Silver Spring, Maryland, which, unless if, if you're driving, it's about a 20-minute drive, but if you have to rely on public transportation, it's probably going to take you close to an hour to get there, depending on how uh, Metro decides it wants to act. Um, now, just recently, I mean, it's no it's no secret to anybody that D.C. has been undergoing, you know, a, a gentrification process. So over the last four or five years, we've had, you know, some healthier, quote-unquote, uh, places kind of open up closer to, you know, these neighborhoods that were primarily uh, black but now are starting to become a little bit more mixed. We just, They just opened a Harris Teeter um, not too far from my house. Um, about a year and a half ago, they opened. A, they just opened the giant uh, a little less than six months ago, actually. And with, it's not really surprising to me that you know so many of these people, that so many of my neighbors, you know, the the people that have been here as long as as me and my family have been here, you know, they're not really going to these new places because, like Bruce said earlier, it's, it's a, it, this, the stuff is there, but it's a matter of how much does it cost. You know, I've gone to the Harris Teeter before, uh, and I've gone to the Safeway. And a lot of the times the Safeway will have uh, some, of the, some of the same stuff or, um, that I'm looking for, but it will be a bit cheaper or, bit, or it won't be the exact same brand, you know what I mean? And Safeway, like I said, is convenient for me because, well, it fits within my budget. I didn't make a whole lot of money in my old job. A lot of the folks that reside around here generally aren't, you know, they're not on the high end <clears throat> in terms of uh, their yearly income. So Safeway is really convenient. Now, like I said, we have a Harris Teeter. We have a Whole Foods that they just built, and we have a giant. I don't even know what they I, just So built. Harris Teeter, that's like, uh, what, an expensive grocery store? Like, yeah, like is it well, like a whole? Kind of. 
kind of. It's it's really dressed up really nicely, yeah. <laughs> okay. Like, kinda, so well, do you know what Wegmans like, is? It's kind of like Wegmans. I'm familiar with that at all. I mean, it's, L.A. Uh, is very different. Like, well, I know here we have, like, a Gilson's or Bristol Farms. Those are, like, the really expensive grocery stores. Like, I bought some ground chicken yeah. there, 20 ounces for, like, $11. It was $11 for some damn ground chicken. Whereas yeah. before I was paying, you know, before I was paying five and nine at another store. Um, and ground chicken is a lot healthier for you, even better than uh, ground turkey, because ground chicken is ground chicken breast and it's fat free. But um, it's also hard to get. It's hard to access it. Like a lot of people are selling everything now, they're not. But um, that's the other thing, though, right? Like you go if you want to get quality food, health food, and help me quality produce, it does cost more. Like you and Bruce have both both brought up. And even even if you're converting these spaces into Healthy food access is it? It's as far as location. Yeah, it might be accessible, but is it accessible as far as cost? Um, that's and that's something that people have to also consider. And I, again, I don't know if these were academics that started this process. And um, as far as um, Philadelphia, but I know LA was community organizers. So my question is, and I want to throw this out to Peeny. I'm sorry, Noah. I keep calling you Peeny, but it's Peeny Noah Jones. I'm gonna throw this out to Noah. <laughs> <laughs> Your Facebook name is very confusing, but anyway, I was about to Noah. What do you think the logical next step would be? Is it to teach people how to cook? Is it to have these? Cause you you brought up having big events to get people to come out to even know if these spaces are there. Yeah, um, I think the next step is to get more of the neighborhood involved. I mean, like, I mean, we all have seen some of our favorite areas or favorite spots are predominantly black spots or minority, you know, black or Mexican spots, because this is Milwaukee, become, you know, go through the process of gentrification, and then all of a sudden all this nice stuff starts popping up and everything that they couldn't put there when we were just there. And, you know, like, I feel like getting the residents involved and letting them know that they're not being pushed out. I mean, I mean, they might be being pushed out. I don't know. But just say, just say that it's just like, oh, we're, you know, they just like the area and they're just coming in and they're not trying to push people out. Getting people more involved and planning activities and reaching out to the community, maybe going to some of the, I don't know if you guys have those kind of meetings, you know, neighborhood meetings. I don't know. Every, but we like have town some of them here. Like yeah, town like town hall meetings. And things like that, like it's just really. I mean, I know it's mostly older people that go to those. But like just reaching out to the community in different ways, you know, maybe planning a block party or something cool like that. Just anything. Yeah, that's a great idea. Like a, right. like a block party, and then having like food demonstrations come out there, and which is, you know, there are organizations who do that. You know, come out, do a food demonstration, mm-hmm. show people how they can make smoothies or how they can make, you know, cook their food or ways they can incorporate vegetables and fruit into what they already make, things like that. That's a great idea. And, like, here, I, I, here I, in Milwaukee, here in Milwaukee, I don't know if you guys, I don't, see, I don't, I don't know if you guys have, like, um, you know, like, the farmer's markets all over the place. Like, we have farmer's markets everywhere. And, like, when I have my son, they, um, you know, me and my guy aren't married, so they assumed I was, like, you know, a single parent or whatever. And they gave me the wick and everything. And they, you know, you can use the um, food stamps or, you know, Snap, Quest, whatever they call it, where you are, at the farmer's markets. They, like, they accept wick and they accept the food stamps at the farmer's market, which is pretty cool. And they give you the, they give you a whole list of places that accept it. So it's like they make you aware of it, and it's it's kind of cool how they do that. Right. Yeah. You know, you, yeah. Um, I just got remind. I just got reminded. Um, the community, the community outreach aspect is extremely important. And I, I, I remember I read a story a couple of days ago, and I posted it on Facebook, and y'all might have seen it. It was about a black neighborhood in in Oregon that rejected the Trader Joe's, and the only reason that they rejected it was because they felt like it would. That it wasn't really being built there for them. It was being built there primarily to attract other people, you know, other uh, to in the attempt to attract more white folks to the area in order to begin the a gentrification process. Yeah, 
Which is funny because, I mean, there's two things to that. Peter Jones typically does not build in black neighborhoods at all. No, it doesn't. A lot of, a lot of black right. people are actually fighting to get Trader Joe's into their neighborhoods. Because, like, even right now, there's no Trader Joe's in South L.A. I have to drive pretty far to get to a Trader Joe's. Um, and, and a lot of communities, even, and this was actually, there was a study, I wish I had kept this study, but there was a study that had, came out, like, a few months ago um, where you found that if you were black, it didn't even matter what your income level was. Your food, your healthy food access was very was still the most limited in comparison to any other group. Um, and I could definitely see that in L.A. because our black community in, in L.A. is still directly connected to South L.A. and basically in South L.A. And they have to go through the same thing that every all the poor people, the poor black people have to go through, like getting access to a Trader Joe's or a healthy food store, um, so, or healthy um, access to stores that have healthy produce and fresh fruit and all of that. Now, it's interesting that this space, um, this place in Oregon, um, they pushed out. They say, hey, we don't want the Trader Joe's out of fear of gentrification, which honestly is a pretty legitimate fear. I don't think that's an illegitimate fear because they're doing it in a lot of black communities. Um, They're doing it right now in black communities. They're building a lot of certain, they're building things that, for example, in the USC area, which is South LA, and their whole goal is to push out the residents that are currently there, which are all low-income black and Latino. So I don't think it's an illegitimate fear, but it's just interesting because there are a lot of black communities that are fighting to get Trader Joe's built in their communities. I don't know if Bruce was going to say something. I thought I heard someone else that was about to say something. Oh, no, I was just, I I just thought it was funny that they seen the Trader Joe's and it just was the automatic sign like, yep, they're about to start. It's like, you know, like a sign, UFOs are coming or something, and then all of a sudden, it's too late. You end up looking like parts of Brooklyn. <laughs> and, there's probably more, and there's probably more to the story. I mean, I'm sure if you look at the housing situation, I'm sure there's other reasons why they're fearful that building the Trader Joe's will cause problems. I'm sure it's not Trader Joe's alone. I'm sure if you look at the cost of the housing and things like that, we'll see, you know, hey, like we, we're well, I mean, seeing that. I mean, I mean, look at what happens. Okay, you build a Trader Joe's. What? Then whites come, and they shop at Trader Joe's. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, mixed communities, cool. But then prices start. Prices of um, your housing starts to raise up. And we already have, like, four people, right. you know, know people who have foreclosed and everything like that. And so the taxes go up. And then all of a sudden you look at your taxes and you can't afford your taxes, but your house is still the same and nothing else has changed. It's just that, oh, white people shop here now, so you're going to have to raise your taxes for that. And, and let's keep in mind, yeah. starts with Trader Joe's. Once you build a Trader Joe's, there's usually going to be another business like a Whole Foods not too far from it. So let's exactly. see, you know, it never <laughs> yep. just, it's never just one store. It's always a store, then a store next to that one, then another one, then it's like, oh, shit, this ain't, and then you think it's for you until your property taxes go up and you can't afford to live in the community anymore. And it wasn't for your ass in the mm-hmm. first place. Exactly. exactly. All right, exactly. you guys, I'm going to go ahead and take a quick break. We have, like, mm, just a few more minutes left, and I know Noah has to jet. So I'm going to go ahead and let her jet. And uh, you want to close out before I say something before you leave, Noah? Hey, yeah, no, I'm just, I'm just I'm flying. I'm not going to throw it out like that. I'm stupid. Um, <laughs> it was cool. <laughs> it was real cool talking to you guys. I, did, I wish I didn't have to leave early. I have so much work to do. But I had a good time. I had a really good time. No. I understand the school definitely comes first. It doesn't make sense to be on here talking about social issues and you're not even getting your education. That wouldn't be right. <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead. I'm and, trying. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and take a quick break. I'm going to play uh, Nas featuring Buster Rhymes Fried Chicken. Yeah. Oh. Lord, Lord, y'all. What I'm going to do. It's all true. 
Mmm, fried chicken, fly vixen. Give me heart disease, but need you in my kitchen. You a bird, but you ain't a key. Got wings, but you can't fly away from me. Driving in your bucket seats all the way from Kentucky to fuck with me. Look what you done to me, was number one to me. After you shower, you win your gold medal flower. Then you rub your hot oil for about a half an hour. You in your hot tub, I'm looking at you salivating. Dry you off, I got your paper towel waiting. Lay you down, cause you're red hot. Louisiana style, you make my head rock. Then I flop to the bed, then flop. When we done, I need rest. Don't know what part of you I love best. Your legs or your breasts. Mrs. Fried Chicken, you gon' be a nigga death. Created by Southern black women to serve master guests. You gon' be a nigga death. Mrs. Fried Chicken, you was my addiction. Dripping with high cholesterol. Like Greeks with his falafel, Italian with his tomato pasta, Barocci is to a roster, trapping me. You and your friend mac and cheese, candy ends, collard greens, but you knocking me to my knees, it's killing me when I'm this high. Nothing I need more than the fish fry. Shit, it tastes good, I can't lie. It's like you're walking out the tanner saloon. When I pull you out the oven from bacon, I got you on my mind. Rubbing that suntan lotion all up over your body. So amazing how you sparkle when I glaze you, swine. Hey, my pretty ham hot. It's so feminine the way you submitted it, how you get me power to massage me to shower you with lemon water marinate you with seasoning dipping you in chowder baby it's like you at the spa the way you gently lay in the pan while enjoying your buttermilk treatment i sit and watch the grease sizzle bubble in on your skin despite the funny fragrance still i lick my finger frequent in any event i'm reflecting on all the signs that i got saying that i sit and fuck with you but the way that you would taste made you hard to resist when i put my mouth on you but that's another issue butterflies up in my stomach when i laid eyes on you or was it infection Manifesting, confused over the feeling Impatiently eating you, Chikina worm Chewing on the wall of my intestine I'ma eat you till there's nothing left Till my very last breath You gon' be a nigga death Despite I prepare it the best To specialize in cooking swine as a chef You gon' be a nigga death Who cares if the swine's mixed with rat, cat, and dog combined Yes, I'ma eat this shit to death Ain't that some shit? I'ma eat some shit until what I'm eating kills me And I choose to do that why? Cause that's just what niggas do. <laughs> Alright, that was Fried Chicken by Nas featuring Buster Rhymes, one of my favorite songs. Uh, I thought it was appropriate. Uh, um, it's very underrated. Yeah, I was, I was thinking that. It's super underrated. Very underrated. Oh, it's one album. of my it's funny because I love that album, and people say it's underrated. I guess in my head it was like I hyped it up in my head so much that I don't feel that. <laughs> I love that I, To be honest, I think that uh, the predominantly white hip-hop press just wasn't feeling an album that was supposed right. to be called Nigger. I, yeah. I mean, Especially if you, if you look at the title. The, yeah, I think if you look at the reviews that, that downed it like uh, Shitty-Ass Pitchfork, um, the the reviews revolve more around the premise of naming the album that in the lead up to the album than the actual music. I think that was one of Nas's best albums as of as of late. You know, but yeah. you know, a lot of the press just wasn't feeling it for one reason or the other. Yeah, yep. I think um and I think songs like the one we just heard, it's like one of those things you don't and, and it was so creatively written but it's talking basically about health in the black community. And I thought that was just an excellent Metaphor, excellent the way it was written, all of that. So, um, I, yeah, I, I think people just weren't really ready for it. it was, and the whole album was pretty much like in your face. <laughs> it was pretty much in your face. Exactly. Political and social issues. So I think it was. It wasn't just the title. I mean, it was pretty much calling out white people, calling out America, and even calling out our own people. Like, hey, you know, cut some of this yeah. shit out. Um. So yeah, I, I yeah, I'm with you guys on that. I want to get into uh, the last article of the evening, um, and this is addressing low-income students. And in Minnesota, um, they, they, they decided to provide 1,000 free lunches to low-income students. So thanks to State Congressman Senator Jeff Gates. Oh, what? I'm not sure who that is. Who that is. I don't know. Uh, okay. okay. Hopefully that got worked out, whoever that was. Um, thanks to two state congressmen, Senator Jeff Hayden, Democrat, and Representative Yvonne Seltzer, also Democrat, 
thousands of Minnesota students may receive free lunches in the near future. In a state with consistent meal policies, inconsistent meal policies, a bill entitled No Child Turned Away would remedy stringent and humiliating practices currently affecting students who cannot afford to purchase school food. No Child Turned Away aims to provide free lunches to 61,000 students who qualify for reduced lunch programs, but not free ones. At present, 250,000 students are eligible for free lunches, and 62,000 participate in reduced-price lunch policies. Nevertheless, research shows that schools across Minnesota consistently fail students in need of food assistance. A mid-Minnesota legal aid survey concluded that 46 districts halted meals altogether if students had insufficient funds in their lunch accounts, and 166 others only served cold meals, such as cheese sandwiches. And similar, uh, shaming students who are unable to pay for food is also common practice. Meals are stripped, stripped from them and thrown away. Hands are often stamped with the words lunch and money, and children are verbally chastised by school officials. While Bill officially sponsored by Hayden and Seltzer is inspired by Mid-Minnesota Legal Aid and Mazone's years-long campaign to transform meal programs in the state schools, Governor Mark Dayton, Democrat, also announced his support for free lunch. During the next legislative session, he will ask for $3.5 million to contribute to the school meal program. So, first of all, do you guys even know where the free meal programs come from? Uh, not at all. I don't. Do you, do you know Black Panther? I don't. Black, Black Panther started the free lunch program. Most people don't know that. This oh, yeah, you know what? I think, I think MC Hammer, I, I heard MC Hammer say that. He's the hip-hop teacher thing, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he said that because he was talking about yeah. Oakland and, and, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's true. Like, in Oakland, that's how it started. The Black Panthers... But they basically, they were like, let's take care of our own. Let's take care of our own people. Our, we, our kids are going to school, and they don't have money for food, and they're hungry. So let's just start feeding them. And so a lot of the free lunch programs, even out here in L.A., during the summer, they have free lunches at some of the local parks because they know kids aren't going to – some kids aren't – unless they go to school, they don't get the chance to eat. So um, the free lunch program started with Black Panther, so black people started that. We need to take care of our own people. And I think it's a great thing when we find ways to make sure that kids eat. And, you know, I don't know if you guys remember last week um, in Utah, they were throwing away students' lunches. I mean, just taking them, like right. kids whose parents hadn't paid the bill, they took the lunch out of their hands and threw them away. Um, what do you guys think about stuff like that? Like, you know, is it, first of all, do you think that it's appropriate to punish a child because, their parents could not afford to pay or just did not pay for their lunch. Never. Not, not at all. Okay, Brooke, not at all. It's never appropriate. Okay. You want to tell me why, Bruce? Brooke? <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Um, well, first of all, whatever, whatever uh, the child is not well, – in, in the simplest terms, the child's not responsible in this case. Any issues between the folks in the office and bills, that should be resolved with the parent, and that shouldn't be taken out on the child. Child, The child has no, has, has no responsibility to the school other than to go there and to, to learn something. And it, it, it's hard for children to be able to do that if they're going to be focused on the fact they're hungry or that they haven't, gotten enough to eat that day it's hard to focus in general when you when you haven't eaten or you're under or you're underfed not to mention if you if you didn't look at it from a social perspective and you you, you know they're going to be the only kid or one of the few kids who aren't going to be who don't have the lunch like everybody else did and i think it's ridiculous i think it's really ridiculous that you know that um uh the, the some of the schools in minnesota that you mentioned were stamping lunch and money on these children's hands and, and verbally chastising them in front of everybody. Like that's not necessary. That that that's not productive. It doesn't and it doesn't solve it doesn't resolve the issue uh regarding um the bill. There's there's there's, right. there's no need for any of that. Bruce, what is your take on that? I think it's super excessive. I just think like, you know, first of all, if there's a situation like if you charge for lunches like like th- there shouldn't be a situation where you charge for a, where you charge for lunches 
and then the kid comes and the kid's parent didn't pay. Like that, that just doesn't make any sense. I don't see how you even get to that point to where you have to charge for lunches and the kid comes to the area where there's lunch and the parent didn't pay. And then you're like stamping the kid's hand, like free, like lunch money. Like it's like a scarlet letter or something. Like, what are you trying to do? You know what I'm saying? It, it, it almost seems like they're trying to embarrass the kid into pressuring the parent to pay. Like, like it's, it's super excessive. Now, at the same time, I have to say that if you charge for lunches and the parent didn't pay, like, that's a problem. Like, you, like why are you charging for lunches if parents aren't going to pay? So then if the parent doesn't pay, then what do you do? That's, and what do you, you know, do? That's a good, because what do you that, do when the parent doesn't pay? And that's a good question. I say you just send them the bill, you go to their credit, whatever you got to do if you mean to handle bills like you do any other bill. But then the other part of it is also maybe lunches should actually just be free as a part yeah. of the yep. public school. If you go to public school, maybe your lunch should just be free. I mean, it's not like, I mean, it's honestly, they're, they're really, they're rarely ever that expensive in the sense that, yeah. you know, as far as the, yeah, the school provides lunch. <laughs> I believe that, you know, we, I honestly think that there's money to go ahead and pay for the, pay for the school. As far as money is what the schools get, I think they could afford to do it. Um, I don't the, have the, I mean, if, if, if you look at the foods, I mean, it's not like the kids are eating lobster and shrimp or nothing like that. I right. mean, I read, I read, I read the book Fast Food Nation. I read the book Fast Food Nation, and actually, um, it was it revolved around um, you know fast food restaurants and the quality of food, and the lowest possible quality of meat is given to schools in prison. Right. Well, I believe the lowest possible legally possible meat to give to humans are given to schools in prison. So, like... And you know what, that gives us, that as another layer to this conversation, though, right? Like, what is it that we really want our, our youth eating in these schools? I mean, because the matter is this, if I remember school lunches when I was a kid, and they were not healthy. They were getting, and even if there were vegetables added, it was some nasty dried-up-ass peas or some, you know, nasty-ass, you know, whatever that didn't even seem like it came from a can. It was, like, dried and thawed out or something. Like, it was yeah. crazy. And it was never delicious. You threw that shit away. I'll eat the pizza or my chicken nuggets or my, with my tater tots or my, whatever it was. I'd eat that and then throw everything else away because <laughs> the food was just not delicious. It wasn't good. On top of that, they consider tater tots and french fries a vegetable. That doesn't make sense to me. Fries. Fries. That's kind of my vegetable. <laughs> so, I mean, what is it? I mean, and I, I do believe that healthy nutrition has a huge effect on what, how kids behave in school. And um, and I think this in school, I think nutrition has an effect on your behavior overall because I think your body reacts to the chemicals that are in your food. That's just, I mean, maybe I'm a conspiracy theorist. I don't know. But I sincerely believe that, you know, if you eat healthier, you feel better. And I think it's, children make better decisions when they feel better. Um, so, I, yeah, that's adds a whole other layer of this conversation, healthy food access. The other thing is when I was in high school and middle school, but mostly high school, when I walked home from school, I, you know, keep in mind, we got garbage at, at school, and by garbage, I mean, we had pizza. I mean, the healthiest thing we had was Subway sandwiches. That was the healthiest. But, but most kids got soda chips and pizza or soda chips and french fries. Um, I just remember walking. Now, that's just in school. Now, I remember walking out of school, and there were at least six fast food restaurants within a block of my school or on the same exactly. block as my, as my high school. Mm-hmm. You go across there's Tom's Jr. Burger, some sh- some Burger Shack, or we have McDonald's and Carl's Jr., a donut shop, a, a Dollar Chinese food spot, Louisiana Fried Chicken, Golden Bird Chicken, a, a burrito truck. I mean, everything. And this is surrounded by my <laughs> just, with This is not a mile away. We're talking literally on the same block or across the street or, you know, the next block over. And this is what we ate on the way home from school on top of that. Exactly, and they're capitalizing on those children. I didn't even eat. I didn't eat food at at school when I was like below high school. I didn't eat school food because I ate it twice and I threw up. So I just didn't eat lunch because it just like my stomach didn't agree with it. You know, when it came to lunchtime and like middle school and 
elementary school, I just went to the basketball court because I didn't want to eat that food because I just couldn't take it. And then when I got into high school, then we had the Subways and Little Caesars pizza. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, pizza is bad enough, and then Little Caesars is worse. But, uh, <laughs> we you have know, and high. like you said, at least, at least you guys had that. We had Little Caesars. Then you step outside of the school, just like you said. You know what I'm saying? You got Tommy's, you got McDonald's, you got Burger King, mm-hmm. you got the bootleg chicken spot, you got the fish pot, you got... <laughs> You know what I'm saying? So it's like, and then, so it's like they're capitalizing on these kids because, I mean, the thing is, first of all, it, it's a hangout spot. Even if right. you're not eating, it's a hangout spot because everybody's right. there. You know what I'm saying? Like, where's everybody kicking in at? Oh, I heard so-and-so said meet them over at McDonald's. So then you go to McDonald's. So if you're always hovering around these spots, you're better like, let me get a couple fries. Let me get some fries real quick. Let me right. order the fries. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, even right. if it's not your intention. And they know. And a lot of times, that, we used to go to Goldenberg with a, literally a dollar, a, no, yeah, a dollar twenty-five. You get a big bag of salty-ass French fries and a soda, like literally a dollar twenty-five. And shake, you keep shake the mind, bag up with more salt. <laughs> exactly, and it, it was definitely that salt, you know. And that's the other thing. We didn't really expect these children to grow up and make healthy food decisions when they've been damn near addicted to fast food most of their lives. Ever right? since they were young. Exactly. Ever since they were young, I mean, and you know, how do you make and like you and we talked about healthy, you know, healthy food access and store conversions. How do you do that when hey, I know I can grab a dollar fifty, go up to Goldenberg and get me a bag of fries and a soda. You know what I mean? As opposed to exactly. the four dollars for three pieces of fruit. <laughs> you know, I'm saying. So, and I'm I'm dead out serious. That's how much I spent on fruit recently. Like four dollars on three pieces of fruit. I was kind of pissed off. <laughs> I'm saying when but, you were young, you had to get the pause and the Happy Meal, so you had to go to McDonald's because they had all the all the toys right. when you were a little kid. So it's like they they got you at an early age, right? And that's exactly what happens. They get you at an early age, and that's what those that's what those are for. That's what the play the play the little playpen or whatever is for. So the mm-hmm. toys are for. That's why certain things are at eye level for children when you go to these place spaces. It's because that they're starting new customers. And then, like I said, you come out of high school. You're in high school. You have a little bit more freedom. Do and you think about it. You've already been conditioned to eat this crap. You know, right. so how much freedom do you really have? Because now you're like, oh, okay, I got, I got two dollars, three dollars. I can go hit up the dollar menu at McDonald's, kick it with my friends. You know, my other exactly. home, that's the Chinese food spot. That's what, that's what me and my friends pick it up. The dollar Chinese food spot. Go, <laughs> you know, and you and that and that's not unusual for teenagers, right? You're gonna congregate wherever's around. That's not even unusual, exactly. no matter where you Interesting, if you go to low-income areas, you have more of those types of spaces. You have more, you know, like I said, I had six fast food places literally on the same block or across the street from my school. Six. Yeah, there, there was no Chick-fil-A. There was no Jamba Juice. There was no, nah. No, there was, we didn't even have a subway. We didn't have a And they just built a Yoshinoya, which is beef bowl in some places. They just built one next. I, I just, I drove down by my high school, and they built more fast food places. So it's like probably <laughs> <laughs> Damn. <laughs> yeah. And that was actually, they were trying to create an ordinance in South LA to ban fast food places from being built, but a lot of those um, a lot of those got shot down because the businesses said, well, we wouldn't be able to build here. And But that, goes to, that also goes to healthy food access and nutrition in the sense that these businesses are dictating where they want their these places to be. Let me tell you something. Go to certain neighborhoods. You can show up to a community meeting with five white people in West L.A. and something won't get built. Uh, we don't want this over here. The shit won't get built. But you show, I've shown up 200 deep to community meetings where we said we didn't want a particular business, like a liquor store or a whatever, a nuisance business. 200 deep in a city looked us right in the face and said, no, they have a right to build it even though there are three other liquor stores in the same block. That's another place where you get, not only do you get liquor, you get a lot of crap, you know, unhealthy food. Right. But, yeah, so we're actually at the end of the show, and I want to thank Bruce Smith from realityisreal.com for joining me tonight. Do you want to close out with anything? Yeah, um, realityisreal.com, realityisreal radio. Ours are Sports Talk on Facebook, Brilliance on Twitter, 
I'm all over the place. I could do this for hours, so I'm just going to leave it with that. <laughs> at Brilliance on Twitter, get at me on Twitter, and I just randomly holler out things and uh, curse out white people. Can you spell out <laughs> people who don't know how to spell that? B. Oh, yeah, I, I spell it ignorant, too, uh, just because it's more fun that way. Uh, B-R-I-L-L-Y-A-N-C-E. Doesn't even sound right, but it's dope. Yeah, you lost me halfway through that. Type that on Facebook, and I'll give you a follow-up. <laughs>
no sweets, only ripe vegetables, fresh fruit and whole wheat. I'm from the old school, my household smell like soul food, bruh. Curry full of food, barbecue tofu, no fish, no, no candy bars, no cigarettes, only ganja, fresh squeeze, juice from oranges. Exercising daily to stay healthy, and I rarely drink water out the tap cause it's filthy. Lentil soup is mental fruit and ginger root is good for the So I eat what comes from the ground, it's natural Let your food be your medicine, uh-huh. no exceterin uh-uh. Strictly herbs and rays from the sun Cause I got melanin and drink water Eight glasses a day Cause that's what they say They say you are what you eat So I strive to eat healthy My goal in life is not to be rich or wealthy Cause true wealth comes from good health and wise ways We got to start taking better care of ourselves They say you are what you eat so I strive to eat healthy. My goal in life is not to be rich or wealthy. Cause true wealth comes from good health and wise ways. We got to start taking better care of ourselves. Be healthy, y'all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold the fuck up, yo. Take this little enemy.